This is Toastcaster, Volume 45, podcast for Toastmasters. Your host, Greg Gazin. This episode, tips on emceeing a charity event with guest Jim Ewing from ProVision Solutions. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Toastcaster Podcast for Toastmasters. We have a live, interesting little situation or little interview going on today. I have a wonderful opportunity to emcee a charity fundraiser. And although I am an experienced Toastmaster, I'd never done it before. So I thought I would enlist a good friend of mine, a fellow Toastmaster, and also someone who, in fact, chartered our New Entrepreneurs Toastmasters Club of a number of years ago, and someone who has experience in emceeing live charity events. I thought, well, you know what? We can always, there's always ways of learning more things. And I thought I would just maybe enlist his help and say, hey, you know what, Jim? This is what I'm doing. Are you willing to offer some tips? And Jim jumped to the pump and he said, sure, absolutely. What do you need, Greg? So I'm sitting here with Jim Ewing right now. And I think, Jim, if you just want to take a minute to introduce yourself, under normal circumstances, we would normally have an intro prepared, but we're just going to do this impromptu. Take it away, Jim. That's one of the key things that Toastmasters teaches people is how to respond to questions impromptu. Absolutely. And Greg, it's just a pleasure to join you here today on this podcast and be a part of what you're doing. Uh, Greg and I have known each other for many years and I found him to be such a valuable resource. So I think you are indeed fortunate to have these podcasts that Greg is putting together for the audience that is benefiting from it. So thanks for the opportunity. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate that. Greg, I have for the past 30 plus years been involved in small business development and entrepreneurship, uh, have a banking background, finance community, and then small business development, and again, for in excess of 30 years. For the last 18 years, I've been attached to uh, a business development center that has perhaps led the way across Canada for entrepreneurial development. And most recently, I've had opportunity to step in those shoes myself as an entrepreneur. And the company that my wife and I formed actually many years ago is ProVision Solutions, Inc. And we focus on helping people improve their chances for success as an entrepreneur. So that's one of the facets we deal with. I didn't realize you had a partner in crime. That's my good wife. Absolutely. Well, Jim, I think let's just get down to it. So I have an event coming up uh, later this month. It's a charity event. It's to to raise funds for for an incredible cause overseas for for a group or a a place that they're having some challenges, of course, turbulent weather, et cetera, et cetera. And I've never done this before. So I know from a Toastmasters perspective, there are some things that right off the bat, yes, that we'd have to do. I understand that. I'll have to make sure that I get all the names correct, that I get introductions from people. I need to know that there has, and I need to know that there's a schedule. But I know that it's not the same as a Toastmasters event because I have emceed a number of Toastmasters events and other events, but never charities. So, what's one of the key things that I would really need to look out for? What's the main thing that I need to think about? Well, Greg, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Uh, Having been in Toastmasters, both of us, we understand that there's a a certain format or structure to a Toastmasters meeting. And by and large, all of the attendees at the event know what to expect. They know the roles. They know how a Toastmasters meeting runs. But this is different. You are working with an audience of the general public. Now, they probably know 
a fair amount about the organization, the charity, and the work that it's doing. But the key thing for me is you have been invited to be the MC at this event. You become the face of that organization for those attendees for the purposes of this event. So it is critical absolutely critical that you know exactly what the intention of the organization is for that special event. So if they don't like me or they don't, if I don't connect with them or things don't resonate, it would be my, it could be my fault. It may look that way. (laughs) So that's why it's so important for you in advance of the event or for anyone who's emceeing an event. It's so important to really find out ahead of time what are the things that you need to know about the organization, about the event, about the cause that they are representing to this audience so that you can make sure that the program flows seamlessly. That is your responsibility. Okay, fair enough. The role of the MC for that event is the most critical element. There will be other things that take place. There'll be entertainment, there'll be special speakers, there'll be representatives from the organization. So it's kind of a potpourri of so many different aspects for the program. But the key thing for success is how you can make all of the pieces fit together. And you have to be very adept, very flexible, able to turn on a dime in order to achieve the results that everyone is looking for. You need to be a friendly, warm face. And I'm looking at you right now. I can see that you can do that. You've done that before. (laughs) No, I'm thinking you just talked about being flexible. And of course, we're in an environment that sometimes you can't control the environment. And there's obviously some equipment and some machinery making some noise in the background. <laughs> Send us a little post if you can hear that noise. <laughs> you had, we had talked, and plus we had talked a little bit beforehand, so obviously you need to set the tone and you need to manage the pace. What are some of the things that might be different from, let's just say, a Toastmasters event or even just a standard like a public event that doesn't involve where you're trying to encourage people to, I guess, for lack of a better term, to be honest, it's a fundraiser, so you're trying to get them to open up their purse strings. Well, it is indeed. And so I guess with that in mind, uh, and this balance between entertainment and enjoyment, the social aspect of getting people together, uh, there's probably food uh, to some extent that's involved. It could be a full meal or it could be coffee, dessert or wine and cheese, or uh, it could be any combination of items like that, a program. And so it's an experience. You are creating an environment where people can relax, enjoy themselves, learn something, but also have their hearts touched. Have their hearts touched. <laughs> you may need to edit that piece out. No, I think we'll leave it You're in. You're going to fly? It's real. Let's, it's, hey, this is real. This is what can happen in an environment. So let's just keep it this way. And the key thing is, as you're emceeing, is things may happen in the background that are beyond your control. <laughs> You have to figure out, can you ride it out, or do you need to take a little pause yeah. in the program? And folks out there, this is not, this is not planned. This just happened. <laughs> We're not sure what that screaming was in the background. We think everyone is okay. If we, hear, if we hear sirens, then I think we'll probably have to yeah. worry. If your program was running and you're the MC, and let's say that one of your performers has some sort of a, an incident and either can't come on the stage or has a problem, or let's say they're a performer and they're uh, on stage and um, something happens, they injure themselves, which could happen, mm-hmm. depending upon what type of a performance they're giving. I have seen that happen. You'll need to step in, control the situation, make sure that the people 
if they're injured, are properly cared for and attended to. And that might involve taking a little bit of a break or deviating from, obviously, your planned program. That might require you to have in your back pocket a couple of stories uh, that fit the occasion, uh, some anecdotes, uh, your own experience with situations that are similar to what the charity is trying to do, where, again, you've got a couple of things that you can draw upon to help the audience through what has obviously just been a bit of a trying situation. So you deal with the situation that requires attention, and then you come back as gracefully and appropriately as possible to get things back on track. Wow. Okay. That's... That's something I never thought about. Okay. I can recall one time uh, at one of the events I did about a year ago, I was the MC for the event, and the program, I was following it pretty much to a T, and we were on track, and it was time in the program to call the founder of the charity to come up to the platform and share a few things from his perspective about the good work that the charity was doing. And so I'm following my script, and I'm reading along, please welcome... Uh, Will Vanderveld, Embrace Charities founder, to share about an opportunity to support Embrace Charities' three chosen charities. And then leading the applause, you know, a thunderous applause as we're expecting the, uh, the founder to come to the platform. After a few moments and the applause dies down, there's no Will. Will has not appeared on the stage. Oh my. And so what do we do? Where is Will? And so, again, just... Taking advantage of the opportunity, we go one more time, encouraging the crowd. And you got to go with a sense of humor, too, is how do you make the best of a situation that isn't going the way that you had planned it? And so we had a little fun with it. Where's Will? It's almost like Where's Waldo type of thing, right? You can see. Exactly. And (laughs) so we had a couple of calls from the audience. Will, Will, where are you? And finally, Will emerges from off on the stage as it turns out. He got tied up in a conversation with someone just off stage. He wasn't in his seat, so I I had no idea where he really was. It seemed like an eternity, but we got our way through it. He came up onto the platform, did his piece, and we were back on track. I mean, that was just sort of a coincidence, but I can certainly understand. You brought up another good point, is to make sure that if anybody is speaking or presenting, that they know when they're scheduled to be on, and then also to confirm. Like, for example, if you've got a long event and you're two, three hours in, Sometimes people have to step out, use the washroom, maybe some situation has occurred, is to check in with them. So let's say they're speaking after dinner, is make sure that some point towards the end of the dinner to check in with them to make sure that everything's on time and everything's scheduled. I'd like to ask you something else that you brought up. You said you had a script. Now I know as a Toastmaster, usually you try to not use notes, but I can certainly also understand that there might be so much to handle that you would need some sort of a script. How? What kind of re- what recommendation would you make for? Well, for me. <laughs> well, personally, okay, I can only speak to my own experience, and I, I really do feel more comfortable if I have something that is prepared in front of me, and I truly do value the benefit of being able to speak impromptu. But with a program like this, that's so complex, where the names, where the pronunciation, where the purposes, where the order, where the length of time that people are supposed to be on the program is so critical to the overall impact that it's going to have, I really think in a major event, you need a script, a script that you can follow, at least guiding notes with all of the times and who's on. That's what I was going to ask. The key elements. Do you write it down word for word? My practice has been pretty much to do word for word. But then the benefit of the Toastmaster experience is you can be flexible. Mm -hmm. 
I've had occasions, the truth is, where I've lost my place in the script and you have to wing it. And by and large, it's worked out okay. Okay, that's fair enough. Typically, there is a keynote speaker or the pivotal point in the evening or the event where someone is the keynote or the special speaker. One experience I had, and I would encourage all who are MCs to do this, is make sure you check with the parties that are on the program in advance just to make sure they are comfortable with where they fit in the program. If there's anything that they would want you to use or say that you might not already have, just clarify how you are going to do that introduction of them to the group that is there. Obviously, they want the event to be a success. You do too, and so does the organizer for the charity that you're representing. One example, in this same charity event that I had opportunity now on two occasions to be the MC. one time there was 800 people in the audience, the second time 1,000 people. Wow. And just a tremendous experience, one of the highlights of my life, I have to tell you that. I, I think there's more ahead. On the first occasion, one of the, the headline entertainer was a well-known international comedian by the name of Michael Jr. If you've never found Michael Jr. in your path, by all means, do an internet search and you will find (laughs) Michael Jr. Now, he was the pivotal speaker for this particular event. And I had opportunity before the event just to kind of talk with him about how is it that you would like me to introduce you and set the stage for you coming onto the platform? And in that conversation, I got the direction that he was wanting. And if I could quickly try to give you just an overview of how I handled this, kind of as an example. In setting the tone, I introduced Michael Jr. as the headliner comedian for the event, and I adapted both the front end and the back end of the prepared information that his people, his organization, or he had provided to the organization. I did that only after having spoken with him because a lot of headliners, they will want you to stick to the script, their standard introduction. So what I did after talking with Michael, I came back onto the platform, onto the stage, and I said something along these lines. I think you'd all agree that we've had a wonderful evening, but it's not over yet. Let me tell you a little about the next man that's going to be coming onto this stage. And then at that point, I went into the prepared script, which was pretty standard. Imagine a line from Bill Cosby to Jerry Seinfeld, and you'll have an idea of Michael's influences. Hailed as one of today's most gifted comedians, Michael Jr. has been compared on numerous occasions to Bill Cosby. His same comedy routine is clean enough for children and funny enough for major comedy clubs across North America. He's a regular performer at the Comedy and Magic Club in California, the same stage Jay Leno performs at weekly. He's been a guest on The Tonight Show, Kimmel, and Conan O'Brien, and CNN. And then at that point, Greg, I transitioned into the tone and the mood that Michael had requested. He was looking for something that was upbeat. And I didn't really do it in this example, but the momentum in what was already prepared was building to somewhat of a crescendo as Michael was about to come on stage. At that point, I basically added something like this. Ladies and gentlemen, you've anticipated his being with us for a long time. Now, who do you want to hear from? And of course, we encourage the crowd, Michael Jr. And then once again, who do you want to hear? Louder, Michael Jr. And then finally, 
Ladies and gentlemen, let's give a warm Alberta welcome now for Michael Jr. And it was quite a crescendo. Michael walks onto stage and he begins his hour-long performance comedy routine. It was just a fantastic night. So you also, you brought up another good point because we are going to have, there will be a drumming demonstration. And so I'm thinking, okay, so we're going to get an introduction to find out about the drummer or the drummers, I guess. I'm not sure if it's a drummer or a drummer. Getting information from them. It's happening after dinner. So after people have eaten, they're probably starting to feel a little sluggish. Probably if they're, if they're full, you want to bring up the momentum. Yes. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And I think uh, to your other point... It would be also to make sure that whatever stage area he needs or they need and also figure out any other requirements, almost like making sure we do the sergeant at arms role at a Toastmasters program. Okay, so that's a really good point. I have to find out whether the organizers are going to be taking care of that, but I think I also need to make allocation for it just in case, yeah. just to double check with that. To jump in on that, sure. to the points that you've made there, that very important to make sure that those that are on the program know where they are to be and it, that they have, in fact, enough room to do the different things that they need to do for the okay. reason that they're there. So, again, as with any Toastmaster, you arrive early to the event. Absolutely. <laughs> check with the venue, with the hotel staff or wherever the thing is being uh, hosted that all of the things that you need, the sound, the lighting, all of the equipment, uh, if there's data projectors or computer equipment, that that's all good to go. Test it. Make sure that it works. You don't want to be fiddling around with stuff as guests are already arriving. You want to be available, I think, to kind of meet and greet those and be that face of the organization to the audience that's intended to be there. Could I also suggest that if there's food involved, and you mentioned there would be in this case, make sure that you check with the local venue as to when food is being served and to make sure that the timing for the best optimal food service for the attendees that the program and the supplying of those uh, food and beverage resources that it all flows seamlessly people if they're hungry they're going to get agitated if things aren't happening the way that they should okay i guess we'll have to make sure that we send a copy of this podcast to the organizers as well no it's that's a good point although my understanding is that i'm pretty much supposed to show up it's probably not a bad idea for me to at least check in with them. I mean, I don't necessarily want to step on the toes of the organizers. I mean, I don't feel very comfortable doing that. But at the same time, I'm thinking if we could just double check that. Double check. Because you know, even for myself, if I'm organizing my own event, it's probably not a bad idea to just have somebody else say, hey, did you think of that? Did you think of this? Did you think, think of that? That's a really, really good point. Anything with respect to the auctions themselves? Because you're not, you don't necessarily want to come across as a used car salesman. But at the same time, you are trying to get, you're trying to encourage people to donate for a worthwhile cause. Mm -hmm. In your experience, what have you done in that respect? Boy, we should have talked about this one before because to be truthful, in the two major events that I was the MC, mm -hmm. they actually brought in a celebrity personality to do just that one function. Oh, the, really? The live auction. Oh, live auction. Yeah. yeah I so should... that was a live auction. Sure and they did have a silent auction taking place. So my role as an MC with respect to both of those was to introduce the celebrity, which in this case was uh, in both occasions, Cavis Reed, head coach of the CFL Edmonton wow. Eskimos. Fair enough. And he has done this before. He's quite good at the role of being an auctioneer. So my role was to introduce him and then to thank him at the end of his live auction. For the silent auction piece, it's really, again, with the organizers, make sure you know at what time the bidding on the different 
auction items is going to be closing. In some cases, some might be closing earlier, and there may be some announcements on the program that you'll need to make just to make sure everyone knows when these things are closing down and to give people opportunity to make those last minute bids where appropriate. That could be coming into a break. It could very well be that the uh, tables will be open to receive bids up until the end of the break, at which time presumably all of that bidding will be closed. The organizers will have people just to tally up the results, come up with a list of who the winners are. Your responsibility uh, when directed by the organization would be to let people know how they can find out who the winning bids were from okay. and how they can then make payment to their contribution to the organization. Yeah, fair enough. I guess in all, in all fairness, I didn't really give you too much detail as to what I was doing. To my knowledge, there's no live auction. At, at this particular event, it's all, it is all silent auction. They are working with, I guess they have, I'm just looking at the program here, a blue dot, a yellow dot, and a red dot, and that's probably to close them at different times so there's not chaos all at the end. Great idea. Now, were you... At any point in time, were you encouraging people to go to the silent auctions, to go to the tables, to look at things? Was that part of your responsibility? And if so, how did you bring that information about? That is one of the major activities for the event is to fundraise for the organization. And so uh, basically on the program, there were informative, uh, in, in this case, there was PowerPoint or video presentations for three charities that were represented at the specific one that I was involved in, three great charities that were doing work in many diverse aspects, I guess. Some was overseas, some was local in the metro area, and others uh, would have been regional in nature. Okay. But all of them were very worthwhile organizations. So those charities actually provided special messages for the purposes of that event. Those were shared. In, in some cases, there were letters that I actually had to read to the audience that was there, letters from the executive directors okay. of the charities about the good work that they're doing. But just to come to the end of it, it's all meant to tell the story, a compelling story of why these charities are worthwhile for people to think about, to consider, to be involved, and to support. Now, off the top of your head, just, just to take a step back for a second, I'm looking at the program here. It looks like there's a performance starting up, then I'm on, I guess, I'm as the MC. then they're going to go right into the dinner, then, they, then there'll be a drumming demonstration, and then there'll be presentations. So to your point, there'll be a presentation by the president. There'll be a, it looks like there is a video, so it looks like they're, they're up on that, and there's some other presentations as well. What I'm curious about, and I'll just put you on the spot here, is are there any things that you can remember that you said? Any some things that you would have... Like, again, I'm trying to find the right, sometimes the right words to use. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a little bit different than trying to sell a product for your business. Yes. Well, I think one of the parallels that I believe your upcoming charity event is going to have, which would be very consistent with my experience had been with uh, the, the two events that I did... There was, in fact, representation on the program from one of the organizations that was going to be beneficiary right. of the funding that was raised. I'll just reflect to the one I had. One of the program elements was a performance by the Watoto Children's Choir from Africa. And these are kids who are either orphaned or victims, well, they are orphans, either as a result of war or AIDS epidemic in various countries in Africa. And Watoto is doing terrific work and creating opportunities, a new life for these kids who are orphans. In 
the case that I had on both of those occasions, they were on the platform. These kids that are a part of this organization, they were actually on the platform and we had opportunity to connect those kids that you just saw on that stage. These are the ones that this charity is helping. And I think in your case, you may very well have opportunity to make connections, say, to between those that are on the program, their home country, where they're from, the culture that they represent, and the fact that this event that you are emceeing is an opportunity for our local audience. Those of you in the audience here tonight at this event, this is an opportunity for you to give, to help those that are in so desperate need of the support that we are capable of providing to them. So in essence, what you were saying, you were showing them how, when you think about it, we're all here today, we're all having a very good meal. Other people may not have that in other countries, and so here's your opportunity today to share. What about in terms of encouraging people to, to donate or encouraging people to go to the silent auction tables? In the course of your program, you'll want to build in some specific opportunities where you bring that point up. This is a fundraising opportunity, so that's probably going to come up very early in your program. True. Yeah. And then over the course of the first half, before your break, uh, you'll have opportunity to weave that into the conversation. It, it will be very self-evident as you're getting letters or messages from participants telling their story as to why this is a worthwhile cause. You can just re-emphasize, underscore, highlight. Ladies and gentlemen, we have an opportunity tonight to share some of the wealth that we have with those that need our assistance. Wow. And, and you have a chance <laughs> to thank those people who were just on the stage for giving us some insight into their life, their culture, their experience, as they tell their stories. You can just backstop that. You can emphasize it, underline it, highlight it for the benefit of the audience to make the connection. This is the story. This is the need. This is the opportunity. That sounds interesting. The program has just been finalized, sort of been finalized, I guess. I'll need to find out at what point the the introduction is, how much of a preamble or how much, introdu how much introduction will be done at one time. Because it appears that the presentations are after the dinner. I need to find out whether someone's going to be introducing me. I assume that they will be, but I'm, I'm not 100% certain. This is an impromptu conversation. <laughs> this is an impromptu conversation. But to set the tone, to set the scene... I'm going to find out whether or not there might be someone from the organization themselves that could come up and maybe I'll ask them to introduce me initially and perhaps just set the scene. But what do you think of this? I was thinking that at certain times during the program, given, given the information I was given on the organization, of maybe mentioning one or two points and then at that one point reminding people that they could donate to the auction, maybe let them know that something that happened on a certain day some event that happened, some difficult situation that happened, some crisis that occurred, or even just to give some statistics or some information on on the organization, or not necessarily the organization, but on the, the benefactors. There's different things that are going to appeal to different people. I mean, at a very basic level, you know, we often think of left brain, right brain types of individuals and right. those that are more oriented and gravitate towards the facts of a situation and others that are perhaps more inclined to allow their emotions to work on them and in them. And as a result of that, whether it's the facts and the figures or whether it's the emotional stories, both sides can be powerfully weaved into your overall presentation so that you don't miss 
one group of people. And I know that's at a very, very basic level, left brain, right brain type of thing. But we are motivated for different reasons and for different causes. In some cases, supporting an orphanage might appeal to someone, uh, whereas in, in another a situation, helping with someone's education or meeting their basic needs of life or helping their family or helping them to uh, start a business like a micro business or loan circles or something like that. These are all things that many charities are involved in. And so you really need to find ways that you can articulate what are some of the opportunities that the charity is involved in that might resonate with the audience. That's interesting. If I can come back to one other thing, too, because you mentioned earlier about when do you make mention of the fact that people can give. Right. When the event is all over, there is a high probability that some of the people who wanted to give or might have been in a position to give miss the opportunity at the event. As hard as that may be to fathom, it is quite possible that people would be willing to give after the event. So I would encourage... MCs to make sure that you know how can people give after the event. Is there a donation envelope or is there a, a website that is printed on the program or on some takeaway piece that you are directing people to where they can continue to follow through on their good intentions after the event is over? That's a really good point. I think that I've, I've picked up quite a bit of information here. I know we have, I have a layout of the program and I'm thinking what I'm going to do now is I'm going to start building my script around the program, putting times next to each individual item. And a couple of key things that came up here and, and one of them you had mentioned was about passing out the message. And again, it just came to my head going, okay, I am the MC and I'm giving a welcome at like a 6.20 PM, but how do I get to that point? how I bridge into that. Is there someone from the organization going to introduce me or do I just get up and introduce myself? I need to find out how that's going to work. And at what point is the reason we're here or the information about the organization or the benefactors, at what point is that introduced? Because that's the starting point. Because I think once I know where we're at, then other information can be weaved in as I go along. Especially if there's a lull or even during the dinner. I'm not sure. And again, I'm going to need to find out what the organizers were, were thinking about. I'm not sure there's any, if there's going to be any slides running or some video running in the background. But it might be an opportunity to introduce as a bridge, to introduce some of the statistics, to introduce some of the points or just even did you know type things. So kind of frequently asked questions. And it could very well be that some of those statistics and stories or pictures would be already set up in advance and perhaps running on a, a screen by way of a PowerPoint or a, a series of images that's on a, a slideshow type of a, a timed presentation. There may be several of those over the course of the evening. So that, I think, probably comes down to the organizers of the event in how they're going to tell their story to the audience at their event. You play a part in that event. It's not your sole responsibility to put all of the pieces together. You're a part of their event, a very important part. And I think as a part of that team, you want to make sure that you are comfortable, that all of the things that you, th you can think of that might play a part, you've at least touched on them. If there's something that isn't clear as you look at the program, and you've raised a couple points here, I would go back to the organizers and say, have you thought about this or how will yeah. you deal with this? 
uh, is there an opportunity to invite people to, and, and you carry on the thoughts, whatever questions you have, Greg, or MCs out there for your event, whatever questions you have, go back to the organization and get clarification. At the end of the day, you are the one that's making this program come across to the audience that is gathered there on that day at the event. The success of it rests in your hands. That's a really that's a really good point. See, I mean, this is a young organization. I think this is only the second time that they're doing it. And of course, in general, one, you know, I don't want to assume that I know everything and I don't necessarily want to come in saying, you know what, this is what you really should be doing, because I hate the word should. But at the same token, I'm thinking if anything can be done to help make this the event a bigger success and thus raise more funds, I like the way you put it. Have you thought about this? Have you considered it? Almost like a Toastmasters evaluation. You're you know? a part of the team. Yeah, and no you want enough. it to be successful. They want it to be successful. Work together to achieve that success. Yeah, really good point. I guess for me, it's just my general hesitation initially was just because I hadn't done this before. But I guess having not done this before, but also being an entrepreneur, shouldn't stop me from saying, okay, hey, what can we do as a team to make this better? The program is really fairly well laid out. I love the fact that there is going to be some entertainment. I think it'll keep people at ease. I hear it. The food is going to be really good. There'll be three levels of auctions, and I understand that the, the items are starting to come in. In fact, I've been able to secure a few items, and with permission of the organizers, I'm going to mention give the opportunity to the people who are sponsoring saying, you know, here's a little bit about the program, a little bit about the product, because sometimes if you just have a silent auction item on a piece of paper and it just has a small description, you may not necessarily know what it does or right. what it is. Exactly. So that'll give me a little bit of an opportunity there. You have a couple more final points. I think it's probably time for us to wrap up. Yep. Uh, maybe if I could just encourage all of the potential MCs that are out there, just a couple of things. And Greg, I'm confident you're going to do a good job. <laughs> Thanks, because you're Jim. going to listen to this podcast, and I know that you're going to share it with your audience too. But MCs, here it is. Make it an enjoyable experience. Your role is to have success at the end of the day. Be warm, be positive, be friendly. Keep the energy and the atmosphere at the event at an optimal level. I would encourage you, enjoy your role as an MC. Make sure that you have fun in that role. And make sure that the audience also is entertained and has a good time. But critical difference here is it's not just all about fun and having a good time. Know when you need to transition to those portions of the program that get a little more serious and get to the heart of the matter, the purpose for which this event is being held. Make sure that you know what the objectives are for that event, the vision of the organization, its mission, and the good work that it's actually doing to help other people. In closing, I would say, remember your role there is you are there to help that charity to be successful in their efforts. You're a part of the team, as I said before. Be sure that you make it happen. Jim Ewing, thank you very much for coming out to offer some tips and guidance. And again, for the listeners out there, this was initially supposed to be just a casual conversation with Jim with the possibility of maybe doing a podcast on this down the road. But we thought we'd hit the record button and see what we'd come up with. And I've learned quite a bit here today. And again, as a Toastmaster, I'm always learning, lifelong learning and trying to learn new things. Jim, just if you want to just share with us maybe your contact information, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, reach you. And we'll, we can also include that in the show notes as well. Greg, I really appreciate the opportunity to be here and to share this information. 
you have been a great support over the years in many of the things that I've had opportunity to be involved in, and I know others have benefited from you too. ProVision Solutions, Inc., P-R-O hyphen vision, V-I-S-I-O-N, ProVision Solutions, Inc., you can do an internet search on that. I have uh, social media connections through LinkedIn, Facebook, a YouTube channel that has probably about three hours worth of mentorship and business success tips from others, including a fellow named Greg Gazin, the gadget guy. <laughs> I appreciate that, Greg. And I also have two blogs, one on the topic of business success and one on the topic of mentorship. Both of those are near and dear to my heart. So connect with me. I'm also on Twitter. You can find me. I'm out there somewhere. <laughs> and I'd love to connect with all of you, too. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jim. Hey, guess what? What? The noise stopped. Was it something I said? <laughs> Looking at the clock, it was probably quitting time for quitting the test. Once again, thanks, Jim. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. This is Greg Gazin, Toastcaster podcast for Toastmasters. You can catch us at toastcaster.com, catch us on iTunes, and now on Stitcher. Well, that was a lot of fun. I'm glad we could do it all in one take. If you're interested in the organization, it's Dufa Shanye, Canada Foundation. That's D-U-F-A-S-H-A-N-Y-E dot org. Till the next time, thanks for tuning in.